everyone. I'm Rachel Poli with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 128, and this week's question is, how do you talk about your writing to other people? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, write a review, and share it with your friends. And now, please, can you help us welcome author Chris Tulbane. Thank you so much for joining us. It is so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a very interesting topic of discussion, I think. Oh, we do hope so. <laughs> okay, would you like to tell us a little bit about your writing background, such as how long you've been writing, when you started, things like that? Absolutely. Uh, so I started writing when I was six, which I feel is kind of the cliche writer response, but it is true, I promise. Uh, but I, most of my life, I focused on poetry. Um, I didn't really write fiction at all until college when I was majoring in writing. And even then, it was always just short, short form fiction. Uh, then when I graduated, entered the real world, I put writing aside and became an engineer. And it wasn't until years later that I got laid off from my job with a fairly healthy severance package, which, you know, there's no there's no downside to that. You know, getting multiple months pay to do nothing is kind of a fantastic <laughs> proposition. Uh, but I, I hiked all over San Diego. I just kicked back and relaxed and enjoyed myself for a while. And then I got bored and I decided, you know what, why don't I write a book? And so I sat down at my computer one day with no planning. I literally only knew the name of my main character and the genre it was going to be. And I just started writing. Two months later, I had drafted the, I'd completed the first draft of that book. And a month after that, I had drafted the sequel. Uh, I then went back to work. I know, very, very rapid pace. But uh, I went back to work after that, and I kept writing. Uh, the pace slowed down dramatically. It's a lot harder to, to make that sort of progress when you're working 50 to 60 hours a week. But I think the quality also improved as I got more experienced at it. And so I've been writing ever since. I retired from my job uh, about three years ago now, and I've been writing full-time ever since. Holy crap. How old are you? <laughs> so you're, you're immediately my, my favorite person ever. I'm a 40, I will turn 46 this year. I feel so cold out because when <laughs> I got laid off and got a severance package, I just panicked for most of the time, did no writing. I'm 41 and Wow, yeah. I uh I I don't think I like this guest anymore. No. <laughs> well, wow. you, you don't have to like him. I'm gonna <laughs> congratulations, Chris, because I honestly when you said that you got laid off from your job, I thought you were gonna go ahead and be like, so I decided to be creative and write my book and I just churned out those words and no, like you said that you went you went exploring and stuff and you traveled like Man, you've really like done stuff with your life. Good for you. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. It was, uh, we had honestly, I had spent 13 years at that company working and it was engineering jobs, software engineering it was. Uh, and it's, it's, they're very long hours. And especially in crunch time, you tend to be working, you know, some part of your weekend also. And so you don't really get to experience where you're living. And so having this free time and this paid free time really to me was an opportunity that I want to take advantage of. But there's only so many trails you can hike and so much you can do, especially when it's just you or just you and one of your friends that got laid off. And so eventually you want to start doing something creative. And that's kind of where I started with the books. That's amazing. I, I really... I'm really happy for you that you did eventually find your way back to writing. Thank you. It was, uh, I'm glad I did. Like I said, it, it kind of changed my life and, and my career path and where I ended up. I am still just agog at the idea that you had a title and a, and a, and a genre and a character name. And then in the smallest amount of time, you just like, all that creativity must have just been building up. And as soon as you sat down, it's like, okay, here it is, all of it, all at once for all those years and just come out. That is incredible. 
I am now I will say so that jealous. first draft that first draft was terrible. <laughs> it was not like I was producing, you know, beautifully polished prose by any means. I'm not sure I write polished prose as it is, you know, you know, seven years later at this point. But uh, yeah, it was just it was very much the, by far the most creative uh, flow I've ever had for writing, where I just pantsed the entire thing, and I just kind of went wherever the plot took me and wherever the characters were and where I ended up was where I ended up. And it was a really fun process. I don't think I could do that for all of my books, but for the start first one, it was, it was a lot of fun. You, you got through it and you did it. So that's, that's all we can ask for, right? <laughs> true. <laughs> very you, true. And you enjoyed it enough to keep going. So yes, that's good too. So with all of that said, I think um, that that's like an amazing start to your writing journey but I think one thing that all writers have in common is that we have trouble talking about our writing especially if we have other full-time jobs or sometimes we don't always have the support system that you know we hope to have so for writers I think it's hard for us to actually talk about our writing and explain what we do and explain you know what our books are about and stuff like that so my first question to you is why do you think so many writers struggle to talk about their own writing with other people? So I think part of it is just, and this is, this will be generalizations because obviously no answer applies to everyone, but I think part of it is that a lot of writers are introverts. That's kind of a starting point is, you know, a lot of us don't want to talk to people. We don't want to Put ourselves out there but that another part of it is that really writing tends to be uh in some ways a very personal and private thing uh we put a lot of ourselves into what we're writing and so to talk about our writing to is not just to expose it to criticism or feedback or even apathy but it's it's kind of exposing ourselves as well what are people going to think? Are they going to be bored? Do they even really want to hear about this? You know, I'm just a nobody. I've, you know, you have the whole uh, uh, imposter syndrome. Like, you know, what do I have to say that's so interesting or important that someone's going to really care to hear about it? And even if they do care to hear about it, are they going to think my ideas are dumb? Are they going to have their own ideas for how I should change everything? And they want to be like, in control of it. I think there's a lot of self-confidence and a lot of self-esteem issues kind of tied into the idea of making yourself vulnerable in that way. You just described me to a T. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I agree with everything you said. Like, I think most writers are introverts. I'm an introvert. We all get imposter syndrome like all the time. Um, I've always had such trouble talking about my own writing when it comes to promoting other people's books. I'm all for it. I like, I'm ready to put those other writers on their pedestal and give them the spotlight that they need. But when it comes to my own writing, I'm like, you're my baby. You're not going out to the big, <laughs> bad, mean old world. You're just going to stay right at home with me. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I've written seven books and three novelettes. And literally every day that I sit down to write, I feel like this is the day that I'm going to expose myself as someone with no talents that uh, <laughs> basically that, you know, I will have lost any ability to write at all. And kind of, so there's always, you always feel like you're on that edge and introducing that work to someone else. There's always that fear, I think, involved in it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think one of the things I find is because I like to write series, it's never a standalone, it's always multiple. And I usually know several of the stories I would hate to put out book one and have all these others like building up ready and then someone go, oh no it's awful and this doesn't work and it's like do you have any idea how much stuff I would have to change with the plotting and the outline and some of the stuff I've written if you don't like book one yes oh. absolutely <laughs> oh no I just I just and also it's like you know they say you should talk about you should use your elevator pitch I, I don't know how people do it because in my eyes, I'll either tell them everything with spoilers or it'll be, well, it's a fantasy. And that's about all you <laughs> There's no in-between. There's no, I don't know how writers manage the in-between. It's either everything, I'll give you the whole thing, ending included, or barely the title, and that's it. 
So yeah, I, I tend to give my elevator pitch is basically genre plus whatever my vague twist on it is, and then probably trigger warnings because <laughs> one of my series is extremely expletive heavy and I always want people to know that ahead of time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, or if I'm notorious on Twitter for, if someone asks me a question about my book, I will happily spoil literally anything they ask about because, Hey, I, I like talking about that aspect of it. If, if they asked, I want to answer, but, uh, yeah, it's a public it's a public medium, so it's not always the greatest thing when you're you're just saying, yeah, this is how the series ends, and readers can can see that way in advance. <laughs> I think sometimes you can't always tell what is a spoiler. I get like so worried whenever they be like, oh, you know, put up um, a snippet of your story, and I bounce between something that's probably not that interesting because it's maybe just a bit of description or well, I don't want them to know this. And it's something basic, you know? Like, these two are friends. It's like, well, it's in the blurb on the back, but it's like, no, no, I can't tell them that. Okay, here's the description <laughs> then. We're just going to live with that. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it is hard to find, to like figure out what exactly is a spoiler because I write series as well. So when I write down book one and I have so many ideas for like the previous books, I'm like, well, if I mention this, is this foreshadow or is it spoilery for the following book? Like they're not supposed, nobody's supposed to know this until the next book. And it's, you get yourself caught up in this web and you just get yourself stuck and it's annoying. Very well, you also have, once you have the first book in that series out, you then have readers that are you know, specifically asking about plot threads that may not have been terminated in that first book. And I mean, it's impossible to answer those questions because they are spoilers for the series as a whole or for subsequent books. So it's it's definitely a delicate balance, uh, balance of, uh, you know, do you spoil, do you not spoil, and what does it mean to do so? That is true. You bring up excellent points, but you also started that with once book one is out. Yes. That is step one. <laughs> we haven't gotten to step one yet. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, one of the things always annoyed me is if I went onto an author's website, which I love doing, I know a lot of people don't do it anymore, but I love going onto author's websites, and say they had a series and the third book was out, that was the one that was usually right forward, first page you saw, and then it'd be like, after the death of blah, blah, like, I haven't even read book one and now I know somebody's dying. And it would annoy me, but obviously I understand you are supposed to, your, your most authors when they do that they're sort of showing to their current readers like to get them to read the next book not some random person who's on their website looking at well, the wrong one so that's a real challenge even with book blurbs in like uh book listing pages online because a lot of times people will find your later books first even in a series and so you can't, I mean, I mean, people do, <laughs> but you shouldn't be spoiling it in the blurbs and you shouldn't be spoiling it online. So you have to write things like after the events of this other book and then just, you know, the people that know, know, and the people that don't, you know, aren't spoiled. But yeah, it drives me crazy too when people just assume that everyone is caught up on the series and they're, you know, you know it's okay to spoil them. That's actually really cool. I never thought of how you would do it. And the way you just said it is going in because that is perfect. That's sort of like, you know, after the events, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's really good. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I'm glad okay. I could help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move to my first question, which is how important do you think it is for writers to actually talk about their work? It is so important. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> it is really, really important. And it's important, I think, on a couple of levels. The first one really is, if you can't see me because I'm, I'm talking with my hands, uh, it's important on a couple of levels. The first is in the writing process, which is really everything for me before publishing. So I'm including editing, I'm including alpha and beta feedback. To me, get the more, if you can talk about your work, you're able to solicit feedback, but you're also able to get other people's perspectives on your characters, on your plot. Sometimes they can see issues that you don't see. 
Sometimes they see successes that you don't see. Uh, but you, you basically have a dialogue going with those people. And I think it ends up creating a more multidimensional, a more layered book. Even, even if you're just talking to, I talk to my wife pretty much every day about what I wrote that day. And this is, this is pre, pre, pre-alpha stuff. This is largely garbage, but I'm talking to her about it. And it's, it's an opportunity for me to be bouncing ideas off of her and to get her perspective, which is helpful, one, because it's a woman's perspective and then a guy, and it's good to integrate that anyways. But also just in general, it's, it's helpful to be able to talk through things and figure out where I'm going, figure out what I want to do, and kind of her input helps me make those decisions. And then if you expand that to a larger audience, you get, this, you get more of that. And then the other side of things is really actually releasing a book. Most of us are indie authors. And frankly, even the smaller traditionally published authors don't have marketing teams, don't have marketing budgets. So it's incumbent upon us to actually spread the word about our books. I think everyone really has this, this dream, this fantasy that they can release their book online and it will just explode organically. And, you know, soon they'll be getting a TV series offer and there'll be a parade and probably a pony. But there are, honestly, there are thousands of books released every single day. And if you want your book release to be successful, you have to have some sort of audience already built for it. And the way you build that is by talking about your work ahead of time. Talking about not just your work, but talking about yourself, being kind of creating a community of people that are interested in what you have to say, that are invested in your work, your characters, maybe even the plot. And therefore, once the book releases, might be you know, interested enough to buy it and read it. So I think talking about your work is important in, in actually having a good finished product, but it's also important in having that good finished product sell. I like how you broke it down into two. Because the first thing I thought when I thought about talking about your work is, like you said, the second one, where you're building interest before it releases so that people are like, take my money, I want your book. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. Because I, I talked to my partner about my book and he always sees things differently. Because as you said, it's good to get that kind of opposite perspective and he will see things and I'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that. Or he'll see a character that I was like, oh, it's just a side character. And he'll be like, oh, it's really good. So then that side character gets bumped up to being more of a major character. So yeah, I never really thought that even those things, even talking to some form of friend or family or someone supportive, just in a brainstorming way, before you even touch the beta readers is important. When you're talking to people to build interest in your story, it is important. And I think even though we're, we're in 2022 and it's been years since, you know, things became more obvious online, and I am still shocked so many writers don't realise that if they got a traditionally published book out, they have to market a lot. I don't Absolutely. get it that there are still people who have access to social media and blogs and blogs and interviews with traditional publishing houses were they honest to God think that these people are just going to give them a sack of money, but like, here's your marketing budget. And it's like, no, maybe if you're Stephen King, I can exactly. imagine he doesn't do as many of his own tweets, you know, or his, he's sorting his own um, book aesthetics for Instagram. I'm assuming they can do a lot of that stuff or his team, but yeah, some, some random person who's just starting out. No, they're not going to do that. And I think it's still, ends up being that people think, well, I'll just put the book out and then I'll talk about it. And you've missed this massive time to be getting people interested before it goes out. So it still shocks me. Absolutely. And if you're talking about online stores, I mean, Amazon being a big one, of course, they have algorithms that essentially promote a book for a set period of time after release. So the algorithms are more friendly to books on release. So in the first 30 days and then it tails off and then it's the next 60 days and then it tails off again. 
And so you have to take advantage of that window to get as many sales and as many, as many you know, reviews and as much feedback as possible. So that's why you need to build your audience before launch, because that's, you know, that's where it kind of snowballs in the algorithm, which is really sad that we live our life now, like depending on what some random computer algorithm decides or thinks is important, but you have to, you have to work with what you have. And so you have, you want to try and take advantage of that and leverage it as much as possible to turn your book into, you know, either from being nothing at all to a mild success or from being a momentary success, success to something that can be sustained sales. And I will say I did talk to an agent. Uh, I had an agent that would, was originally wanted to represent me uh, for one of my series. And then this was the expletive filled series. And decided that she she basically couldn't find a buyer for it. Um, certainly from the big five, she was starting to look at the small presses. But we talked a lot about kind of what the presses would do, what the big publishing companies would do for me. And the answer was, you know, they'd set up a lot of the things like cover and editing and stuff like that. But as you said, you know, marketing was still going to be my responsibility entirely. And they have massive marketing budgets comparative to any one author, but they're spent on the sure things, on the big names like Stephen King they know are going to sell. Well, that's just the thing. I think the number one marketing tactic that any writer can do is word of mouth. But it's just difficult to get started with that. And I think one of the biggest problems is the internet. Now hear me out, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I think a big reason why writers don't particularly care about talking about their work is because of the internet. And as you said earlier, most of us are introverts. We don't wanna to talk to people. I talk about my writing to my sister all the time, but when it comes to talking about my writing to non-writers, that's difficult because I know that they can't really understand it on my level. And sometimes you're not necessarily talking about your writing to a potential reader. You're just talking to somebody else about your passions. And I think between being introverts and then, you know, the vast majority of like social media, it's a much wider reach. So it's so much easier for us to talk about our work through social media, through our websites and our email lists and so on and so forth than it actually is to talk about it. But a big issue with that is that when we go on the internet, we don't get practice um, talking up our writing to, to agents or to other writers in person. If we ever go to a writing conference, we don't practice any public speaking or, you know, if you ever decide to do signings at some point in your writing career. And I think I'm kind of losing my train of thought and I know I'm rambling. So hopefully you're, you're uh, keeping up with me. Ari, stop laughing. <laughs> I do agree with you. Talking about your writing is so important, but it's the way that we go about it is what really kind of makes or breaks it for us. If that makes any sense at all. No, I think so. Uh, I mean, and I, I think to, to counter your point a little bit, not to be argumentative, but I think that the internet in some ways is the only way some people can really talk about their work. And so it does provide an outlet in that respect. And it certainly gives a broader reach in terms of generating an audience, in terms of the, the building up interest before release. I do think on the other end, to your point, it makes it harder to necessarily, we don't necessarily have, develop the skills to discuss it in our day-to-day, face-to-face interactions. And that doesn't prepare us for things like signings and like book readings and all of this stuff. So yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I don't think self-publishing would work without the internet, but uh, all of the trappings of being an author, you don't necessarily get the training that you might need from just talking about stuff on the internet. Like this, this podcast interview for me, like I've, I've, uh, this is the first time I've ever done any sort of, of audio interview and it's, it's a uh, very challenging and it's a, uh, it's definitely a new experience for me. So 
Well, I am sure we're a delight to work with. <laughs> no, no question at all. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you explained that so much better than what I was trying to say, because I, I agree with you. Like, obviously, we need the Internet. We need to talk about it through social media and things like that. But there are certainly pros and cons to it. And I think in some ways, depending on how confident you are with your work, the whole social media thing can actually hinder how you talk about your writing. And, it, and it's also easier to uh, boost other writers than it is to boost yourself as well. Absolutely. I uh, do very little self-promotion these days. And part of it is because I feel like endless self-promotion very quickly will turn off anybody. You know, nobody wants to just be marketed to. But also, I just it's not something I'm comfortable with. Uh, but I also have the luxury of having books out and having readers and having fans. And so I talk about my work really in response to their uh, communication, their questions, they mention me online, I respond to that. And so I'm much more comfortable that way rather than just having to be a, hey guys, I know nobody, none of you know who I am, but here's what I'm working on. Here are my characters and this is why you should care. Uh, that was very hard uh, when I was first writing. Yeah, I've, I mean, we've, we've all been there. It, it is hard and um, it's great that you do have readers so that they, you know, they do talk about your book when you when you have readers and they're talking about your book and they're hyping it up then it gives you credibility so you can take a step back and you can't just let them do all the work so I mean once you start talking about your work it does get to a point where you don't need to talk about it as much because you've already got the ball rolling and things can just do it itself you know absolutely yeah and credibility is a good word I think it's it's something that we all seek and we all feel like, especially before that first book is released, there is that feeling of, am I just another person talking about writing on the internet? You know, are people gonna realize I'm actually serious about this? I'm actually doing stuff. I'm actually going to have something that people can read someday. Cause you know, there are a lot of people that love to talk about it and then you never, they never actually get a book together. And it's, it's sad because I think you know, their ideas are great. And I think they, you know, everyone has something of value and something that should be heard. But it's, it's, it's kind of a, a second big step to actually talk about your work and then put it out for just the general common masses to actually experience. And so, you know, there is kind of a feeling of, of you get a little bit of credibility once other people know what you're talking about because they've read it. And, and sometimes that's not even releasing your book. Sometimes that's just having critique partners or, or people that have read, you know, earlier versions of it. Sometimes that's enough to that those people will bring it up and then you can feel like it's a dialogue rather than just monologuing at the screen. I think something that always caught me was since self-publishing became a bigger thing because obviously it's been around for ages but obviously it's gaining more traction there's a lot more writers out there now now obviously you've got a lot more hobby writers but there are a lot more people who want to be published whether they want to write and and, and think about what they're doing and then market or whether it's just like done a book out there's another and another without you know there's no write, no editing no beta reading no you know, marketing of any sort, they just sort of put it out there. But you're talking, there's so many more writers out there now. And that means there's so many more people pushing their books and doing the spamming. We've all had those DMs going, hi, thanks for following me. And then a huge chunk of LinkedIn. <laughs> you think, well, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Unfollow. And I think one of the things I found was you got the writing community. And yes, I appreciate writers are readers, but as a writer, you really need readers. And yet we all seem to gravitate in the writing community, not the reading community. And while writers will read books, you really want the writers, you, you really want the readers, the ones who literally are devouring books and that's all they want to talk about. And they, you know, their Instagram is full of books they've read and things they like. And yet it's, it's almost hard to find them sometimes. And everyone can kind of stay in the same circles, hoping that each other will read each other's books rather than trying to find worthy, elusive readers that are your people are hanging out. 
And I think that can get a bit messy because people are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm throwing my book out. It's like, yeah, but you're doing it to people who are also talking about their book. So it almost becomes like a little echo chamber of everyone going, hey, have you bought my book? I've bought my book. I've bought my book. Have you bought my book? Well, I've bought my book. Oh. And it's just this round and round where everyone's just buying each other's books, which is good. Not saying that's not a bad thing. It's, it's good that we're all supporting each other. But yeah, I don't know where this was going, but it was in my head. So I'm just saying it. No, I, I completely agree. It's uh, you. It's a very circular process where the writing community as large as it is and i'm always surprised at how large it is it's still a tiny tiny you know set of the larger group of readers and so we can't just focus on other writers almost all of my interaction on a daily basis on twitter is with other writers now most of them it's we're not even talking about writing we're just we're just it's literally just social interaction. You know, I work at home. This is how I, I, I interact with people these days. So it's mostly just random threads and, you know, Paul Rudd memes and whatever else you want to do. It's just, it's ridiculousness. But it is hard to, to talk about your work and make sure that you're talking to more than just those other authors. Because like you said, they are all readers, but a lot of times they're also busy. <laughs> and I found that as an author, it's a lot. I read, still read voraciously, but I read less than I did when I was just a reader because I feel guilty if I'm not writing. So I want to write every day. Uh, but if I have a three hour chunk where I'm reading, I'm like, what could I have been doing productively with writing in that, that frame of mind? So it's, yeah, no, it's readers are out there and we have to figure out how to reach them. I do think one of the problems with, with it is, again, it's the chicken and egg thing of, do you have a book? Do you have something that they can read? Readers, you can get them invested, I think, in the lead up to the launch of a book, but it's harder for them to invest in something that's not going to come out for a year or a year and a half, where they've never read anything from you. They don't know your characters. They're not, they're not interested or really like... Uh, like I said, invested in your work yet. And so reaching the readers at that point can be very difficult. Uh, building a little bit of hype right before a release, I think is easier. And then once you have a book, then the readers have a frame of reference. And then I think it's easier to, to reach out to them. But even so, uh, I mean, I'd say the probably the vast majority of my sales don't seem to come from social media. You know, they come, they come like uh, I think Rachel said, through word of mouth. It's, you know, people read it, they like it, they talk to other people about it. Now, they might be talking about it on, you know, DMs or in Reddit or something that I'm not following at the time. And, and that's how they're, they're spreading the word. But it's not from me specifically on social media. Ari and I were actually having this conversation the other day about how we do focus so much on the writing community and not so much on the reading community. And I never really thought about it that way, about how when you're talking about your writing and you're sharing your writing journey online and things like that, and you're saying, oh, hey, I finished the first draft. I finished the first round of edits. Don't worry, guys. The book will be released in 2026. <laughs> no one's going to remember that. I mean, especially if you fall off the face of the earth for a little while and like short bursts at a time, huh, me. Um, so that's. That's a good point. I mean, sometimes you can talk about your writing and it's whether it comes naturally to you or not, you can talk about it, but sometimes it kind of tapers off. And I'm just going to go ahead and segue this into my next question, which we've kind of sort of already talked about anyway, but I'll ask anyway, what obstacles did you have to overcome in order to talk about your writing more often? So I've uh, talked about, ironically, I've talked about this a little bit online. Um, I have fairly severe anxiety uh, about, uh, mainly about new experiences and unknown anything. So I, I try and plan out for every eventuality so that I know how to respond and know how to react to try and feel like I guess that I'm in some sort of control situation to try and lessen the anxiety. But things like even, you know, scheduled appointments or phone calls or, you know, podcast interviews uh, will keep me up all night as my brain just kind of spins and, and looks at 
anything that could possibly go wrong and how I, how I should respond and how I should react and all of that stuff. And that makes talking about my work, uh, which is basically engaging in conversations that I can't control in any way whatsoever, uh, very much a challenge. However, I'm also very fortunate. Like I've said, I'm, I'm married and my wife is just an incredible woman. Uh, I call her my angel wife online and there's a reason for that. Um, but so she's always been supportive of me just on a day-to-day -day basis, but she was so enthusiastic about my initial chapters of that terrible first draft and even of the completed first draft that it gave me a little bit of confidence to kind of tentatively sound out my close friends and let them know what I'd been spending my you know spare time on and what I was doing and if it see if it was something that they were at all even interested fully expecting that none of them would be interested whatsoever but some of them were and the ones that were ended up uh, liking enough of that draft that they were now asking questions and they were wanting to know when the next book was coming and they were you know talking about characters kind of unprompted so it, again it wasn't me talking about it it was them doing so and that made it a lot easier and I kind of ran into a similar thing uh, with releasing the book. Suddenly, I, like I said, I had readers, I had fans, I had people sending me emails. I had one person sent me art, which is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, and I had posts, I had people like were discussing the books of their own accord. And it suddenly felt like it was more of a conversation than just me giving a speech and telling everyone why they should care. And that made all the difference in the world to me. You know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about stuff because it doesn't feel like I'm necessarily putting myself out there and making myself vulnerable. That already happened. Now it's just, you know, the people that have come to me to talk about it, liked it or saw something of interest enough in it to want to talk to me. And I'm perfectly happy to respond in that way. So, I mean, I have still have anxiety every single day, obviously, but uh, and when I, I'm writing a new series and when I try and start talking about that one, they're going to go through all of this all over again. But, you know, it's to, to overcome it. It started with my wife and then it kind of slowly spread to friends and then a little bit online and then readers. And basically when there's a community of people whose shared experience in your creation it, it becomes, like I said, it becomes a dialogue and that's a lot more, a lot less daunting than just essentially self-promoting. That's such a sweet chain reaction. And I love that it just started with your wife and it just kind of snowballed from there. And you just needed that one person to give you that little bit of confidence and you were able to run with it. That That's amazing. Um, I totally get the whole anxiety thing as someone with generalized anxiety disorder. I, that's my brain every day as well. So I get it. And it's so difficult to, to do a lot of things, let alone talk about your passion and your, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, writing work. But I like what you said about it eventually turning into a conversation, let alone self-promotion, because I think that's how we all look at it. We just feel like, we're being arrogant or cocky or anything like that when we talk about, hey, you should buy my book. And when we talk about it, we just we just sound arrogant. And that's that's not how we're being at all. Like we're just we are just we are trying to promote ourselves. But I think if we look at it from the perspective that it is just a conversation with like minded people, it would be that much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. With that, I'm gonna just barrel in to our, our last question. I say last, we might have thrown we might throw some more at you. So sure. um what advice do you have for people who want to be more open about their writing and talk? And we're probably gonna be listening with bated breath about this answer. So I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here, and I hope you bear with me because I promise it will make maybe some sort of sense at the end. No promises. I, I guess I just did promise. Never mind. I hope it will make sense. Um, when I released that first book, I got a bunch of reviews. Many of them were good. Some of them were bad. But the one thing I really noticed was how different they all were. 
people interpreted the books differently. People responded to the books differently. People missed passages. People picked up on stuff. It was just this wide range of reactions. We all hear and read that art is obviously experienced differently through everyone because it's filtered through their experiences and their perspectives. But I'd never been on the other side of that before. And it was a little bit frustrating, <laughs> a little hard to, to adjust to, because obviously you write one thing and you have something set in your mind that you're thinking and you expect that's how it's going to come across. But that's not the case. Literally, there will be as many reactions or as many varied uh, responses as there are readers. And, but on the other hand, it was actually kind of a positive because, and it took me a while, but I realized that I am not in control of how readers respond. And I'm also not really responsible for how they respond. I'm only responsible for my work, for what I say, for what I do. And I can't plot, I can't write the perfect book that everyone's going to have the same response to or everyone's going to get. I should just focus on myself and focus on what I want to write and focus on doing the best job that I can and whatever happens, happens. I think that's a lesson, and this is where it comes back to the actual question. <laughs> I think that's a lesson that really can be applied to a lot of things in life, but talking, including talking about our work, you know, particularly on social media. You know, there is a real feel, there's a real like drive to want to craft, craft posts or, you know, vlogs or tweets that everyone is going to love, that everyone's going to respond positively to that, you know, win over the world, you know, in 240 characters. And that's just not how things work. You know, the, the nicest, greatest tweet in the world is still going to have people that you know, it's a bad day for them. They're going through something. They're going to react negatively to it. And there's nothing you can do about that. So instead of trying to focus on presenting your work or yourself in a way that wins everybody over, my advice is to be authentic. You know, be open, share what you're going through, share what your problems are, what your successes are, what, you know, you hope to achieve, you know, what you've given up on achieving, all of this stuff, some people are not going to like that. Some people are not going to like you. <laughs> They're not going to like what you have to say. But to be honest, people that don't like you or what you have to say probably aren't going to like what you write either. The people that do recognize authenticity and do like you, do like what you're saying, are going to be more interested. They're going to be more invested. And they're going to probably want to be more a part of whatever comes next, whether that is as a critique partner or as a beta reader, or just as someone that wants you to release the book so they can read it and comment on it. So I guess that's my advice. Just be authentic, be open, be collaborative because it's not all about you. Uh, but remember, you don't have a responsibility for how other people react. That is a really, really good point. The, as you said, it's like, because I've read books that people have raved about and I'm just like, this is drivel. How are you raving about yes. it? And obviously it's because how I've read it is different to how they are. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb. Um, I'm going to use movies so I don't offend any writers. because <laughs> I didn't care for Avatar. I thought yeah. it was tripe. And yet it was like this massive, like, oh my God, it's set. It's like, was it? Was it really? And I don't think so. But then it, it obviously wasn't for me. And I think that's the issue. There's still this sort of sense that people don't like it. And it's like, yeah, but not everyone is going to like it. They're not your readers if they don't like it, hopefully. I mean, hopefully somebody likes it and then you've got <laughs> readers. But there is this sense of it's not for everybody. That's why you can go on some of the best love novels and there'll be one-star reviews. Bitching oh, absolutely. Out. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good. To I can imagine that must have been difficult to accept, to be able to say, yeah, these people missed bits or they misinterpreted how I wanted to, to create it or whatever, and I don't have any control over how they do it, so I'm going to step back. I can imagine that was very hard to do. It is. And I think writers get themselves into trouble. You always hear the advice, don't respond to reviews. Uh, 
And that's why, right? Because someone's take is perfectly valid because that's their take and their perspective. And arguing with them is just going to make you look worse. It's not going to, it's not going to change their mind in any way. So you just have to let the different takes. And again, I've had positive takes where people were really happy about a book. I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't what I was going for at all, but I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes both ways. Like, it's not just, oh, only the negative people don't get it. It's, it's sometimes negative people do get it and just don't like it. Sometimes positive people don't get it, but do like it. It's, it's just this weird melange of perspectives and opinions, and you can't do anything about that. That's part of being an author. So I like what you said about just being authentic and stuff, because in the end, we are all human. And I think that's one of the things that readers really like about some of their favorite authors. They get to see a little bit about the writer as a person and not just as an author. I mean, we, when we read books, we tend to gravitate towards characters that we can relate to. And I think that's the same thing with authors as well. We tend to like following authors on social media and their websites and seeing what they're up to if we can relate to them in some way. So yeah, I think that's excellent advice and you very well said. And I think it's something that that social media has really, it's an interesting thing because social media has given us that opportunity to do so. But social media also has in some ways introduced the whole concept of faking your life, basically, for, for public consumption, right? Pretending everything's okay, pretending, you know, all of this stuff. And so I think that actually ends up making being authentic and being open even more important because people aren't dumb. People are wise now to the idea that someone, you know, if, if someone is spraying nothing but positivity and sunshine across their social media feed, then they're probably not, you know, giving you the full picture. And so a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of openness really lets them see that you're a person too. And I think there's a human connection there that is important. Human connection. That is perfect. Because, yeah, social media is is so curated, you know. It's all like, look how beautiful my home is and all the holidays I go on and my kids are perfect. It's like, no, they're not. You know, those kids are going <laughs> on the wall and refusing to eat veggies, you know. And it is it, it can get frustrating looking at this stuff because it either creates jealousy or um, people feel very insecure because they're like, well, wow, God, these people are doing so well and I'm not doing that well. And why am I on my own struggling all the time and nobody else is? And even though some people do know, there's obviously the younger generations coming up and sometimes it can kind of get past them that, yeah, no, those people are probably going through some big shit that nobody else is realizing because they're not putting it up. And it is really refreshing if you watch a YouTube video or you go on social media and it's something a bit more honest, you know, yeah. like here's me tidying my house and it looks a mess rather than look at me tidying my already beautiful house as I move things around the table that's perfectly manicured and all this. It's like, yeah, that's that's nothing. You're just messing about now. So, yeah, I can I can see the relatability of being more honest with people. And I yeah. think it's it's like a character you want to you want to go the highs and lows with them so yeah absolutely uh if if you're not this perfect you know facsimile if you're not this perfect uh, uh creation then there's you are relatable and they can be invested in you and and then it is about your your journey and your successes and such, that's something that matters as opposed to something that's just, uh, you know, you know what's going to happen because everything is always wonderful and perfect. I literally have nothing to add to that because Ari just said what I was going to say because I, I really like how you said human connection. I really like how Ari said you should be honest. So I'm just going to say I concur. That's fantastic. <laughs> and just like that, we've solved the internet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yay. Look at us go. <laughs> So with all of that said, Chris, thank you again so much for joining us on the podcast. It's really been great having you on the show and talking to you. It's been awesome. Uh, but before we wrap it up, do you want to share anything about yourself with our listeners? Um, yeah. So as mentioned, I have seven books and three novelettes. Uh, basically, I have two series. I have a completed post-apocalyptic superhero trilogy with 
a lot of expletives. So, you know, fair warning. Uh, and I also have an ongoing comedic urban fantasy series starring a vegetable demigod named Bill, um, which people seem to love. And I constantly get uh, emails or, or tweets asking me why he's not as much in one book versus another. Uh, I'm available pretty much everywhere online. I have an author site where I post uh, blog posts, post status updates, occasional thoughts on writing. Um, and then I'm on, I think, every social media except TikTok. Uh, I'm most, so you can look me up on any of them. I'm most active on Twitter. So please, anytime you feel like it, stop by and say hi. Uh, I just, fair warning, it's very silly. Every conversation ends up devolving into some sort of utter ridiculousness. And like I said earlier, Paul Rudd features way more than he probably should in adult conversation. But anyways, yeah, stop by, say hi, and uh, thank you all for having me on this. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I might have to return to Twitter just to see all those Paul Rudd memes. But all of Chris's links will be in the description below. So please go check them out. And thank you very much again for joining us on the podcast. But now we're going to turn it over to you guys. How do you talk about your writing? Do you find it hard to do or are you a natural? We'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments below. And if you want more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps keep the show going. So we really appreciate the support. But in the meantime, you guys can tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Merry Writer podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This podcast is brought to you by Felt Tip Pens. We love to color code. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.